This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Won't you open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 25? I'm gonna, I want to read from a, a few different passages this morning to set things up, and then we'll go into that. So I'm going to read. Um, if you want, just make a note of that. I'm going to read Exodus 25. I'm going to read verses 1, and then I'm going to read 8 and 9, and then I'm going to jump to Exodus 40, and I want to read verses 16 and verses 34. Exodus chapter 25, verse 1 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they may bring me an offering. Verse 8 says, And then let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of its furnishings. Just so you shall make it. Then if you jump over to Exodus chapter 40, Verse 16 says, Thus Moses did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. Verse 34 says, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. If there's one thing that God has really put on my heart for this year, it is important for us to get to the place where we have a more intimate relationship with him where we can actively experience God's presence with us, his abiding presence. We know that that the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us, but we can have the Spirit of God live on the inside of us, and he's not always, we don't feel as though he's accessible to us in the way that we would like for him to be. And I think that what God is encouraging us to do and what he's inviting us into is to step into a new dimension of him, a deeper sense of reality so that the truth that's established on the inside of us becomes something that is far more accessible to us. It becomes a, a, an active presence that is accessible to us. Something that it's, we, we know that the Spirit's leading is right there with us. We move to a place where we're a, a able to hear His voice and hear what it is that He's wanting us to do. So it becomes something that is far more tangible in our lives. We speak about a lot of things in Christianity, and each one of them is particularly important. But it's important that we make sure that we have the full um, expression of, of each element. Anytime we become too weighted in one area, we run the risk of getting into, a, say, a situation where we're unbalanced. So it's important that all the different elements be there because it keeps us balanced and stable as Christians. We like to talk about grace, and grace is really important because if it wasn't for all that Jesus had provided for us, if it wasn't for everything that Jesus had done for us, we wouldn't have free access to everything that he has made available to us. So grace is so fundamental. Grace is really important. And one of the biggest things that, that happened about grace is that we've moved into a new dispensation. And we've moved into the dispensation of the God who lives on the inside of us. The indwelling of God. The Old Testament never had the indwelling of God. Jesus provided something for us that totally changed the way and the nature of the relationships that we enjoy with the Godhead. In the Old Testament, they used to speak about God as God. God was Lord. That's who he was. But in the New Testament, there's a transformation that takes place, and the nature of his relationship shifts, and it moves to a place where suddenly he becomes Father God. He was never Father God before grace and what Jesus had provided for us. 
So he's talking to us about his invitation to become more intimately involved in our lives and who we are. He's talking about his paternal role in, in, in the way that he wants to relate to us, which is far more intimate than God and Lord who is out there. But in the same context, if you have a look at what the Holy Spirit did, the Holy Spirit also changed. If you have a look in the Old Testament, the, 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 the Holy Spirit was always referred to as the Spirit of God. It was the Spirit of the Lord. There are a few instances in Psalms where it talks about the Holy Spirit, but those are not an accurate translation. The accurate, the accurate translation of those are the spirit of his holiness. What it's still to referring to is the spirit of the Lord. But he changed and his role changed because of what Jesus did. And so <coughs> when you get into the New Testament, all of a sudden Jesus says, go into the upper room because the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Who was this Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit speaks about the nature of God in the context of our humanity. Because if you have a look, when God spoke to Mary and God said to Mary, okay, I want to do something with you. What was it? It was the Holy Spirit who came upon her. The Holy Spirit was everything that represented God in the context of our humanity. He's referred to as holy because he's complete. He's referred to as holy because he's separate. He is in us, he's in the flesh, but the thing is, he is not of the flesh. And he's referred to as the Holy Spirit. Why is it important? Because he's the one when we get born again, part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to, to introduce us to the one who comes and dwells on the inside of us. We not only get the spirit of the Christ who comes and lives on the inside of us, but together with that, we have the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit is to take the things of God and extend them to us, reveal them to us so that we can walk into those things. The role of the Holy Spirit changed and became very important. Grace is important. We need grace. We need faith. Faith is important because faith offers us the opportunity to understand who it is that lives on the inside of me. To gain a comprehension and an understanding as to what his design is for my life. And to take the things that are unseen and bring them into my world. So they become an experiential reality. We need grace. We need faith. And we speak a lot about that. The problem with it is we don't often speak about things like obedience and holiness. A lot like services. Everybody likes it when we get to the sermon because it always speaks about blessing and God's promises and God, everything has for us. But we like to skip over the offering because the offering means I've got to touch my wallet. So when you talk about obedience and when you, when you very often talk about holiness, what we're talking about in, in instances is, are you prepared to pay the price for certain things? But it becomes important because we need to have a balanced message. Part of the reason that I think people struggle to walk into an experiential reality of what God has for them is because we know about grace and we know about faith and we know about the blessings. The problem with it is because it's unbalanced, we're not established in the place where we walk into that stuff and we end up frustrated and we don't understand why. I do believe that there is a place where obedience and holiness play a very important role in that. And we'll speak about that this morning. Obedience and holiness. In Acts chapter 5, verse 32, it speaks about the fact that the Holy Spirit is given to the obedient. The Holy Spirit is given to the obedient. What I'm proposing to you this morning and what I want to really demonstrate is the fact that the moment we get born again, the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit does a work on the inside of us. And we have the life 
of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. But we don't always abide in the Holy Spirit. We have his life on the inside of us, but we don't always abide in it. And what this verse is telling us is this. If you want to live in the, in the abiding of the spirit, if you want to move to a place where you have a living reality with the spirit on the inside of us, it's dependent on our ability to be obedient. The passport to walking into the spirit-filled life is obedience. Without obedience, what ends up happening is we have a reality on the inside of us, but it's not always accessible to us. Obedience is designed to take the things of God, the things that reside on the inside of us, and make it something that affects and influences not just who we are, but the way we live in our everyday lives. For married people, there was a time where you met the love of your life. And you thought, you know, that's just such a fabulous, I just love that person so much. He's just so handsome. I want him to be part of my life. She's the best thing that ever happened to me. I wanted to, so you propose. And when you propose, what ends up happening is you have a lovely ceremony and you have bridesmaids and you have petals being flown and celebrations and great and whatever, you get married. You get married. When we speak about marriage, what it is, is it's about two people coming into agreement so that we can create a future. Marriage is about two people coming into agreement so that we can create a future. Marriage is a concept, but it actually doesn't exist. The moment you got married, you didn't inherit anything. There is nothing tangible that you got called a marriage. What you got was two people who came into agreement who said, you know what? We want to define what our future looks like. The two of us are going to come into agreement and both of us have a contribution to make to sit and say, we want to go somewhere. We want to wake up every morning and this is the kind of life we want to have. This is the kind of lifestyle we want to enjoy. This is what we want our future to look like. This is what our dreams and aspirations are all about. When we came into marriage, you inherited something called marriage when you said, I do, but it didn't exist. It was dependent on you to make it happen. Marriage is only a composite of the two individuals and their contribution to making that happen. When we talk about marriage, it it is the the legal um, identifying of partnership. It's about two people who come together. The two shall become one. The two shall become one. We walk a journey in life and in some places there's only room for two. Marriage is one of those. There is only room for two. You can have great friends, and I'm wonderful. It's good that you have great friends, and maybe they can make some good contributions to your life, but they're not part of your marriage. You may have great parents, and they've got a lot more experience than we have, and so we rely on them to put input into our lives, and so they can make a meaningful contribution. But it's still the two of us in our marriage. You may have kids and you may have offspring. It may be the two of you and it speaks about legacy and what the generations to future in the future are going to look like. But it's still the two of you in the marriage. Marriage is about two. Our relationship with God is about two. There are some places that we're going to go with God and it's good that you have resources around you, that you have people around you who can speak into your life. But there are some places where it's going to be the two of you. It everything hinges on our ability to relate and be intimate with the other partner. Our ability to be intimate. It's when you marry that you speak about what does our life want to be like. 
Have you ever noticed that it's easy to dream up until your marriage day? It is. Because no demand has been placed on you. Up until the day you married, it's really easy to dream. And we're going to be this and we're going to be that. And we'll wake up every morning. We'll be so lovey-dovey. And we'll do this. And, you'll, you'll run, and we've got all of these. Not all of these things are bad. But it's easier to dream. It's easier to dream until you said yes. The funny thing happens after you've said yes and they said yes and the two of you are married. Suddenly something happens and we recognize the fact that who I am and what I'm all about is not capable of delivering what I need to do in order to reach the goals and the aspirations that we want. Something's got to give. The person that I am right now is not the person that's going to walk into everything that I want my marriage to be. And so I have to make some modifications because I can't live my bachelor life in the context of marriage. I have to make some changes. I have to make some changes because I can't drag my baggage with me into marriage. I can live with my codependency issues as long as I'm alone. I can live with my rejection issues as long as I'm alone. I can live with abandonment as long as I'm alone. But the minute I come into a marriage setting, all of a sudden it changes. And I recognize that I can't bring my baggage with me. Because when I drag it into marriage, all of a sudden it compromises everything that I want. I've got to deal with some stuff. I've got to change. There are some things that I didn't even realize that I needed. And there's some modifications I have to, ta- to make. Some things I have to put on the inside of me because I never had it to be able to walk into what it means to be a good husband. It means change. It means modification. What keeps and what encourages? What drives change? Modification. Because it's not easy. And many people don't want it. Because I'm comfortable where I was. You're asking me to do something in order to step into a new dimension of who I am so that I can achieve something fabulous. Although the goal is there, I don't always feel like doing it. What motivates change is love and hunger. What motivates change is love and hunger. If you love me, will you sacrifice for me? If you love the dream and you know where you want to go, are you prepared to sacrifice so that you can give up some things, so that you can put in some things, so you can do what is necessary, so that you can walk into what it means to be a happy future? I'll do it because I love you. I'll do it because I'm hungry for that future. It means more to me as a value proposition than living with where I am right now. And so I'm prepared to change because I want to walk into a dimension of experience. I want to walk into a marriage that you and I are creating that is good, that's wholesome, that's a blessing. And I recognize I have a contribution to make in that. When we come to the place where we recognize that we have the greater one who lives on the inside of us, he invites us into intimacy. He invites us to come into a union with him. And what he's saying is, let's talk about what our future is going to look like. Let's talk about what it could be. But you, you do recognize the fact that I'm the one who's perfect in the relationship, not you. We use that line often, but we lie. God doesn't. God's the only one who can sit and say, I'm perfect. 
What he's saying is, in order for us to go somewhere, I need for us to make some modifications. I need for us to make some changes. We need to deal with some baggage. I want you to step into what it means to be holy. Holy is complete in him. It's to be separate from my flesh and the ways that I used to be so that the one that's on the inside of me begins to define who I am. God speaks to Moses. And he says, tell Israel, tell Israel, he's not talking to people who don't know who he is. He's talking to Israel. He's saying, speak to my people. So he's not talking about people who have no concept of God. He's not talking about people who have no framework or history with God. He's he's talking to people who know God. And what does he say? He says, tell them that I want to be more intimate with them. I want to come and live amongst them. God doesn't want to be far off from who we are. God is looking for opportunity to come and live with us in a way that is intimate and that is accessible. It's important that we understand what God's heart is because God is sitting saying there is an intimacy that I'm looking for and the the invitation I'm extending to you is to sit and say, would you like that as well? Would you like that? Because what he says to Israel is if that's something that you want, sacrifice, come over here and I'll show you what it is that we can make this a reality. I'll show you how we can make this thing happen. And he begins to speak to Moses and he says to Moses, I want you to go and I want you to build according to the pattern that I show you. I want you to build a structure according to the pattern that I show you. God is sitting saying, in order for my presence to be realized, I need for you to create a space in which I can come and I can dwell. I'm not coming to dwell in your world. But I'll tell you what, I'll extend an invitation to you and I'll tell you what it is that you need to do. And if you will follow what it is that I tell you to do, both in terms of the structure and the furnishings, what will happen is my presence will come and my presence will fill that space. We're looking for presence. We're looking for God. We're looking for him to be accessible to us. The challenge that we have so often is God is sitting saying, in order for you to recognize and to have me present and accessible to you in a way that you've never realized before, you need to understand that you need to be made in my image. You need to Conform to who I am. I'm going to give you what it means to be that. The problem is we have so many people who don't want to be conformed to his image. What we do is we want to conform God to our image. I cannot tell you how many people will will be speaking about something. And what they'll say is, well, I don't believe that. And I think you have the prerogative to believe whatever you want. But you do understand that when you believe something which is unscriptural, what you're doing is you're sitting saying, well, I'm defining God the way that I think he should be. My experience has told me this. And as a result of that, I think God would embrace this. I think God would do this. I think God is this kind of person. It's my experience that's beginning to define God, not God defining who I am. 
If I want to walk into a full relationship with God that's experiential, what I have to recognize is I got to let go of some stuff. I got to let go of some baggage. I have to make some changes and some modifications because I'm being conformed to his image. Be holy as I am holy. What is he saying? I want you to recognize that the Holy Spirit, the Holy One, the Holy Life is resident on the inside of you. And the purpose of him being there is to introduce you to the Holy One who lives inside you. It's Christ's Spirit. What he's doing is it's always to move us to a place of wholeness and completion. Separation from the flesh. If I feel abandonment issues, I have to come to him because if he can touch that and deal with that, I won't be as controlling as I used to be because I get whole and complete in him. He wants to do something that changes us so that we position ourselves so that we can experience and walk into the reality of accessing his spirit. In the Old Testament, because they never had the Spirit of God on the inside of them, they were dependent on a Moses. Moses had to go and get the word from God and find out what God wanted to do. And he would come back and say, fine, here is the list of directives. This is how we need to construct. This is how we need to build. But God doesn't work like that in the New Testament. Because the minute that you got born again, what ended up happening is the Spirit of Christ came and lived on the inside of us. And the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us. And part of the reason that he is there is to take the things of me and reveal them to you. Take the things of me and reveal them to you. He's opening up to you who it is that God is. Every time God speaks, every time God asks us to do something, What he's doing is he's revealing an aspect of the hidden one inside of us. We can't see God because he's spiritual. So God comes and he rests on the inside of us. And that's such a challenge for so many people because we live in a natural world where physical um, accessibility is so important for us. And so what God says is, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a way so that the things that are alive on the inside of you, first of all, you you have access to them. And secondly, they have a way of being able to come out from the the unseen world into the physical world. So what he does is he speaks to us. Every time he speaks to us, what he's doing is he's touching an aspect of where we are. And he's sitting saying, are you prepared to deal with that stuff? Are you prepared to deal with that really foul temper of yours? Why? Because he's changing us. What he's saying is, that's not who I am. Every time he speaks, he's giving us a reflection and an idea as to who is on the inside of us. And he's sitting saying, I want for you to understand that. Because there's an incongruence right at the moment between what's happening here in your flesh and what's holy and what's residing on the inside of you. And I'm wanting to bring some change and transformation. I'm wanting for you to begin to construct something on the inside of you. Because as we begin to make modifications, as we begin to change who we are, as we're obedient to what it is that he wants us to do, we possess position ourselves for the presence to come and for the presence to be there we don't get to construct the structure he does we don't get to give an idea as to what the pattern is he does and it's going to be different for each person 
Because you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. How does the Holy Spirit speak? You know what? You will do something. You will say something. You will be in an environment. And there's something on the inside of you that just says something. You sense it. You open your big mouth and we say something that, you know, and there's something on the inside that goes, oh, that wasn't right. That wasn't right. What was it? It's the life that's on the inside of you manifesting itself. He's trying to speak to you in a very practical way and sit and say, what you just did is out of context with who I am. What he's just doing is at that very moment, he's sitting saying, you're moving out of the structure. We're trying to build something that the presence of the Holy Spirit can come into on an ongoing basis and manifest himself. But you want to run off at a tangent with frequency because I just have anger issues. He's trying to deal with something. It's important because he's in the process of constructing. He's in the process of doing something. As we are obedient in the natural realm, so what ends up happening is we gain access to the spiritual realm, which is powerful and holy. But we need to make changes outside of here because we're constructing a structure that he can come and he can inhabit. This hasn't got to do with works. This is not a works program. This is not something that we're capable of doing in and of ourselves. We are wholly dependent on the Holy Spirit. And when he speaks into our life about something, the invitation that he extends to us is to sit and say, come to the Holy Spirit and sit and say, what's flesh is flesh and what's spirit is spirit. I need for you to change me. I need you to do something in my life. Otherwise, I start to try and do it in my own flesh, which is a problem. It's not a works program. But it has everything to do with value. To what degree do you value the life that's on the inside of you? If you love me, will you sacrifice for me? If you are hungry for me, will you sacrifice for me? What it's saying is we agree as a concept, but it comes down to a practical expression because we have something on the inside of us called our conscience. We write that off very easily because it's just like, well, it's conscience. It's not conscience. It's very often the Holy Spirit expressing himself through you and he's inviting you into something or he's sitting saying you shouldn't go down that way or actually what you just did was not nice. What is he saying? Fix it. Because you're wobbling the structure. When we make a commitment and we make a decision that I want to Do what is necessary and change what is necessary so that I can have a happy, healthy marriage. That is my practical contribution and investment as to what the future is going to look like. And so it is with God. My obedience to what he's telling me on the inside of me is an expression of the degree to which I value him and I value what it is that he's inviting me into. It's the degree to which I sit and say, you know what? My obedience is the way that I start to create a future that is defined by your presence. The way that I walk into a reality so that who you are is able to come and manifest itself in a way that is much more tangible to me. I'm more sensitive to your voice and your leading. I hear what it is that you're wanting to do. And I walk into dimensions of of manifestation that I never had before. Why? Because I'm building a structure. I'm building a structure. My obedience is the way that I build. God is speaking all the time, but we don't always listen. There's an intentionality to it. It doesn't happen by chance. We do things intentionally. 
The thing is, when God speaks, what do we do? Do we simply ignore it? Do we justify it? Or do we act on it? I think that there is a place to come to where we begin to recognize the inherent value of the small voice inside of us. We often talk about God and we we want God's presence. And I think sometimes we always think of that in big things. We always think it has to be dramatic. It has to be strong. It has to be... But I don't think it is always that. I think very often what ends up happening is God speaks to us in this little small voice. And all he's doing is he's guiding and he's leading. He's inviting us into something. Whether we are obedient to that or not determines what happens. It says that when the structure was completed... It says the presence of God came down and his glory filled the place. There's not a place that we reach where we sit and say, fine, I've built to this point, now the presence needs to be here. I believe that construction and the presence is very much influenced by two things. Number one, attitude of heart. None of us are perfect. So we're never going to reach a point of that's where God comes in. It's not about that. Because that's a works program. What it's about is an attitude of heart that says, Father, you know what? I want to be a space where your presence is honored and reverenced. I want to be a space where you're always given first place in everything. And because I love you, and because I have a hunger to have a future with you that is created between the two of us, I'm prepared to be obedient. That's my role and that's my responsibility. My attitude of heart, Father, is every time that you speak, I'll be quick to obey. It might be doing something for him. It might be changing something in who we are. It might be recognizing aspects to to what we're all about that he's wanting to make modifications to. He's doing something on the inside of us. Our role and our responsibility is to be obedient and to be obedient quickly. Because when we have that, what we end up having is we, we set a, a structure in place where both the structure and the furnishings are designed according to the way that he wants them to be. And that's where his presence will dwell. It makes us realize our importance in being obedient because God inhabits our obedience. God inhabits our obedience. His life is on the inside of us. But the way that we take that and move into something is when we, we act on his word. And when we take something from him and we act on that and we're living in the, the place where we're expecting the Holy Spirit to do something, it creates an opportunity of encounter for who we are. And we can walk into a dimension that we haven't had before. If you have a look at Acts chapter 2, sorry, let, let me, John chapter 14, verses 15 and 16. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. What's important about that verse, and what I want you to get is this. There is a difference between giving you the spirit and abiding with you. There's a difference between the two. When you get born again, you will get given the spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and resides on the inside of you. 
but our ability to abide in that and have it as something which is accessible and tangible to us, something that, that, that is as close to us as we want it to be, is dependent on our ability to be obedient. It becomes really important. If you turn over to... Um, Let me go a different way. It becomes really important to us. What God is looking for is, I think that there is a principle in the word which speaks about the importance of us valuing the smaller things. If we are obedient with God in the smaller things, we'll be promoted to a place where we have the spirit with us which goes beyond living with that, being a part of who we are, but abiding within us. A place where we move to, where it's far more accessible to who we are. And I think that's the place that everybody wants to get to. But it, it's, it, it's important for us to get a realization of the fact that we have to be obedient to the smaller things. I think that it's quite evident because if you have a look at Jesus as a model, what ended up happening was Jesus spent the first 30 years of his life in obedience. And I'll prove it to you. But it, he spent the first 30 years of his life in obedience. Because he was obedient to those things, what ended up happening is he was given the Spirit. When he went to go and get baptized, he walked out and John baptized him. He came out of the water and there was a voice that said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. We please God when we're obedient to God. He lived a life of perfect obedience. And because he lived a life of perfect obedience, what ended up happening is the spirit came down and the spirit fell on him. And he lived with the leading and the de- and, 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 a, and a tangible, accessible um, reality to the spirit of God from that point. But it was dependent on him being obedient to God that he was able to move to that place where God said, fine, what I'm going to do is I'm going to entrust you with the presence of the Spirit. If you have a look when Jesus died, he was obedient to suffer and to die on the cross. And when he died on the cross, what ended up happening is he rose and he was given the Spirit that he was able to give to the disciples. You're looking at me with blank faces, but it's true. Open to Acts chapter 2, verse 33. Just make a note of this because it's, you won't have time to jump. It says, therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, this is talking about Jesus, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He received the promise of the Holy Spirit. He poured out of that which we now see and hear. What is it saying? It's saying, Jesus, who was the Lamb of God, went and took away the, the sins of the world. He paid the price. He was obedient all the way up until death. And as a result of being the Lamb of God, what ended up happening was he became Jesus, the anointed one, who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's what ended up happening. But it was because of his obedience that he got to that place. 
The point that I'm trying to make is this. There is a place of obedience. And when we get to that point of obedience and we sit and say, Father, you know what? I want to thank you for what you've entrusted. And maybe it looks like it's a small thing. And maybe it looks like something that's inconsequential in the grand scheme of the kingdom. But he's inviting you to do something with that, with his word that he's given you. He's looking for obedience. And when we're obedient in the small things, it positions us at a place where God sits and says, I'll, I'll be able to trust you with my presence. It doesn't mean you don't have the spirit. You do, but there is a difference between the spirit being on the inside of you and being an active spirit that we engage with with regularity. The point that I want to make is this. Our obedience to God and to the things of God is vital to where we're going. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. The role of the Holy Spirit is, first of all, to take the things of God and to declare them to us. Secondly, it's an extension and an invitation for us to walk into something new. When you see that God is wanting to change something, transform something, when he's wanting to to use his word as an opportunity to, to begin to construct something, what we need to do is be quick to obey it. Obedience is a sign to the Holy Spirit that I want to work with you. Obedience says, I'm not going to try and change this Holy Spirit because I can't do it. I'm going to be dependent on you to do it. And you know what? This is where faith comes in. Because the truth of the matter is, sometimes we're still looking for dramatic. And I want to think that if I go to bed today, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'll be a totally new person. And it's not always like that because we don't feel it. It's true, but we don't feel it. That's where faith comes in. Faith is trusting that the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of me is making changes and doing stuff on the inside of me, even when I can't see it. Even when I can't feel it. I sit and say, Father, I want to thank you that your word has promised me that. And I want to thank you that your Holy Spirit is alive and doing things on the inside of me. And I live in the expectation of that. It's called the life of faith. It doesn't mean it's not happening. It just means you can't feel it right now. But it will happen because you'll walk into it. Because he's promised that. That's what his word says. What is he doing? The Holy Spirit is doing something on the inside of me. That is changing who I am. And although I appreciate the fact that he's changing aspects of who I am. And making those complete and whole. And I walk out of a a, a healthier dimension in those areas. There is a bigger goal at play. And the bigger agenda is to sit and get to a place where I am honoring And being obedient in the small things. Recognizing that as long as I do that. He will entrust to me. The more important things of his presence. 